If it's happening now, we're talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Will Weber is on the board. Will Erskine is in the cloud. In the newsroom, Diana Weeks and Dave Woodard. It is the first week of spring and masks are optional. I could say something really inappropriate right now, hey. but my dad would get fired. Hey! Again! Hey! Here's hey. Scott Who does that lippy kid belong to? We're moving on. However, the Hamilton District, the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board is having a very hard time of it. Uh, good afternoon. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, on the board is Will Weber. And in the newsroom, Diana Weeks and Dave Woodard, as uh, Kurt explained. Thanks for taking the time. What a great-looking uh, Monday. Beautiful day out there uh, as we head back after March break. And it being March 21st, of course, the relaxing of uh, mask mandate rules in Ontario, some of them anyway, including masking in schools and um, every other, well, like restaurants, uh, going into the store, that sort of thing. Uh, pretty much the majority, well, the majority of the provinces in the same place that we are. Actually, British Columbia, who started the same school uh, situation as we did today, actually lifted their mask mandates ten over 10 days ago. Uh, they dropped it in the restaurants and stores and such. So we're one of the last to hold out. However, uh, a lot of confusion, a lot of unnecessary confusion uh, created by the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board, who, um, you know, we all know uh, left and right politics and such, but these are, uh, these. this is a group that is on the extreme left of the political spectrum, and we know who the usual candidates are. We know they've been in the headlines before. Um, but uh, obviously, the mask mandate uh, being mandatory has been lifted, which means it's your choice. It's your choice if you want to wear a mask or not. I was out earlier this morning uh, in a situation. I had it in my pocket. I pulled it on because it's just such normal behavior. Uh, but you can see it's still slowly starting to gradually uh, reduce, and not everybody, uh, you know, it was like half and half. Some were wearing it, some weren't. So that's just where we are with the science. This has become uh, to the point where if you're fully vaccinated, it's nothing more than a flu. Just ask any of us that have had it. So uh, we are where we are, and the science has said so. And for some reason, uh, the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board is trying to make some sort of political statement. There were many people who all the way through this pandemic, as you know, you, you, you hunker down, you get together, you make things, you row in the same direction, you make things work to survive something, but that wanted to keep that sort of socialism, wanted to keep, you know, the handle on, on, on you and, and, and what you do and don't want to let go of that you know there are many they're saying that the price of oil would never go up there are many saying that this would all end up in a basic income da, 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 da. so uh again you know i think we're you know the same things that divided us coming uh going into this pandemic are the things same things that are dividing us coming out and we have to remember where we are and to follow the science and many have said yes of course uh masking is a good way to uh reduce your risk but we also have over nine percent of our population 12 plus vaccinated and that's just the sheer reality making this although continuing to spread and not uh and not disappearing we will continue to live with it 
it's not killing us. And that's the reality we have to we have to remember. So uh, I can completely understand why some still want to have a mask on. What I cannot understand is why there's some on the extremes that say that because I'm doing this, you must do it too. There was a time when that was the way it had to be. It's not like that anymore. And we have to stop pretending like it is. And, you know, a, a little later on, we're going to have a mother on and someone who you'll remember from CHML as well, talking about the confusion that has come out of what the Hamilton Wentworth, this uh, Hamilton District Wentworth School Board, uh, Hamilton Wentworth District School Board put forth uh, last week and saying that no matter what the province said, uh, we're going to keep our mass mandate in place till the 15th. Then they backed that back. Uh, they walked that back to the 1st. Uh, then they kept saying, well, we're waiting for word from the government. Well, the government made it plainly clear last week that that was the decision. And come uh, the 21st of March, it would be your choice. It would be your choice if you wanted to wear a mask or not. Again, not enough for the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board. You have to ask yourself, did they, <laughs> did they talk to a lawyer? Do, did they think they can implement this on their own without some sort of government support? Even the local health officials didn't back this up. That would have been another way. Perhaps it could have moved forward if, in fact, it was needed. And clearly, they thought it was not. So, uh, again, it's just bizarre, extreme politics that we're seeing in Hamilton and that we're seeing on uh, the school board today and creating a an incredible amount of confusion for parents that just didn't need to be there because at the end of the day uh you know there, there, there there's nothing that the hamilton school board can do to enforce this so again creating anarchy creating divisiveness uh confusion political and not really based on science you know i was talking to my kid today what's it like there he goes well you know uh you know some are wearing masks some aren't wearing masks i said is it any goes, no everybody's pretty chill about it nobody cares my teacher's not wearing a mask so you know it, it, again it's your choice and that's where we've come in this global pandemic some just can't accept that they can't accept we're not in the same place that we were a year ago two years ago and, you know, again, I know that perhaps the school board's heart was in the right place by trying to protect, but I think it's gone beyond that. And this was a direct shot across the bow of the Ontario government, of which the extreme left-leaning uh, Hamilton School Board uh, tried to get in a game of, you call it, chicken. And the sad part is, it's you and your kids that are confused. So I give the Hamilton School Board a fail a miserable fail for uh the confusion they've created uh this week it is 315 we're going to talk about this a lot coming up on the show so stay tuned all right let's move on and obviously great concern still with ukraine and the russian invasion of um it's it certainly despite uh lots of talk of talk there doesn't seem to be much going on uh as we are in day 26 uh, but let's get, a, again, another local angle of uh, what we're hearing here from what is going on over there. Father William Makarenko is with us, Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral Saint of St. Vladimir, 855 Barton Street East in Hamilton, and is with us now. Father, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. 
I am glad to be on again, Scott. So here we are, day 26, and honestly, Father, I didn't think that we'd be calling you uh, back so many times as, or as we often as we have. What are you hearing now? What, what, how has this changed since we first spoke? Well, number one, we've discovered how stubborn Ukrainians are. <laughs> uh, they don't want to give up. It's not just the army that's doing fantastically well. You're getting average citizens, uh, the uh, territorial uh, fighters are well-trained. Many of them uh, fought during the, uh, the takeover of those two provinces in Ukraine, uh, Donetsk and Luhansk. They're there. We're getting up to 20,000 uh, volunteers coming in from 57 different countries in the world. Some are amateurs, obviously, who, who are coming because of a deep commitment. And then you also have people who come uh, with uh, training, uh, apparently, uh, we have people from the French Foreign Legion that are coming, uh, people from Britain who have uh, experience. So you're getting the entire world coming together to help Ukraine, although not officially, but they're, they're coming out of, out of a deep conviction that what's happening in Ukraine is the act of a depraved man, number one. You don't uh, attack uh, a democratic, peaceful country uh, for no reason, because you have some sort of... Uh, ideology that, that you want to make manifest with it. Uh, but what hurts us as a Ukrainian Orthodox uh, priest and Orthodox people is the fact that the, the Russian Orthodox Church, in a, in a sense, is sanctioning this attack as, as a way of uh, combating Western liberal philosophies that they think are coming into Ukraine. Okay, Remember, Ukraine is, is a European country and it wants mm-hmm. to reflect European values. Diversity, number one, freedom of expression, freedom of the press. These are things that to, to Putin, our, <laughs> it's heresy. To him, this is a cancer that has to be rooted out. So that's you- the, the fight in Ukraine is a, is a fight that is universal. We, we certainly have learned more and more about the relationship between Ukraine and Russia over the years and know enough to, 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 to know there's many families that have family and friends in both of these areas. Do you feel this message of what is really happening is getting back to the citizenry of Russia? No, not to the extent that we would like. We know that the, uh, we have a lot, lot of, <laughs> hate the word expression, the cyber nerds, but they're doing a good job. They're circumventing uh, the, the official uh, the, technology that has been closed off by Russia, but they're getting in. But the dangerous part is yet to come. Uh, last week, I think, uh, through the Red Cross, uh, Ukrainian authorities shipped 2,500 corpses of Russian soldiers yeah. like Russia through Belarus. Uh, soldiers that are captured. Remember, these, these boys are 18 years old, 19 years old. Hmm. They still, to them, the word mama means something. And when they, when they left Russia, some weren't even told where they're going. But our boys, knowing also that mama is a sacred word, are giving these boys food, clothes, and a phone. Call mama and tell him where you are. Tell mama not to worry that you're alive and you're being fed and you're being clothed. That is slowly permeating uh, society. Not as fast as we would like, but it's getting there. But it's the body count that's going to be very, very effective. The, the mothers during the Afghan war did a super job in bringing their boys back. We hope that the same kind of uh, reactions from Russian mothers will do the same thing. Bring what can we back. do? What can we do here, Father, locally to help and more specifically help those locally here in Hamilton? Uh, number one is uh, financial support. Uh, 
we need medical equipment in Ukraine. Uh, uh, we had a shipment go out just last week, uh, a plane load of medical supplies, etc. cetera. We, we are expecting another call for those supplies. But in the meantime, a lot of supplies are purchased in Western Europe, in Poland, in, in other countries. We have uh, the vehicles. We have the Red Cross, number one. We have the Ukrainian-Canadian Foundation that also is supporting. We have Canada Help. You can go on the website and Google it, and it'll come up. Uh, you, my wife, we, we went to Canada Help, and, sorry, uh, the foundation. And within 10 minutes, we had a receipt. I mean, it's, it's very quick. Yeah. Thank God for this kind of technology. Now, and two is to make it known. Uh, there'll be a peace march coming up uh, the first, I think, first Sunday of April. You'll have various representatives of uh, religious groups in, in Hamilton meeting at City Hall for, uh, for a get-together just to promote peace in the world. Now, every religion wants to promote peace. That, that's basically the, their call word, right? Peace in the world. So the various religious groups where peace is the ultimate uh, focus of any religious organization, we're going to come together and say, you know, to, to quote the beautiful song, mm. let's give peace a chance. We're going to talk about peace and how we can work towards peace. Understanding one another, that we are all, my mom, may she rest in peace, used to say, we're all Adam's children. Yeah. There's only one planet here. We all have one mother and one father, biologically speaking. But but that makes us all what? We're all related to one another. Whether you're yellow, black, white, or whatever, you're a son and a daughter to, to, to a mother and a father. Well said, Father William Makarenko with us of the Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral, St. Vladimir, 855 Barton Street East in Hamilton, uh, with ways you can contribute locally, and also go onto our webpage for a list of uh, charity websites as well that will help those in Ukraine. Father, as always, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. Thank you, Scott. Anytime. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. We've got Daryl Brooker with us, uh, CEO of Ipsos Polling. And uh, a new poll out for Global from Ipsos says that uh, the PC Party of Ontario is in the driver's seat with the province less than three months away from election. Uh, If the election were held tomorrow, the PC Party under Doug Ford would get 38% of the popular vote, uh, followed by the Liberals at 28%, NDP at 24%, Green at 4%. And to talk about all of this, Daryl Berker, CEO of Ipsos. Daryl, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I'm doing well. I hope you are, too. Uh, some may be surprised at this and, and perhaps not happy. Uh, are you surprised at these results? Because, you know, it seems to me uh, with, with Doug Ford and the Conservatives, this is perhaps one of the most left-leaning Conservative parties I've experienced in my time on the planet. Yeah, I think uh, everything ideological and everything that was, uh, you know, in people's heads prior to the pandemic was greatly altered by what they experienced. Uh, and I'm sure they, uh, just as the public is uh, is uh, surprised by where we've ended up here and how they feel about their government, I think the government is equally surprised. Uh, how has this changed throughout the course of this pandemic, obviously being just past the two-year mark now? We have not really seen the uh, the conservative government fall behind any of its uh, any of its electoral opponents. But the interesting thing is that people weren't really looking at what we were going through during the pandemic through a partisan lens. So they weren't really assessing the government in terms of whether they were going to vote for them or not. But I think we're now getting in a position, particularly with the mandates coming off and people getting ready to sort of move back into something that resembles 
what their previous life looked a little bit, at least a little bit like, uh, they're also getting back to politics. So the numbers that I think that we're seeing here uh, really line up with, you know, a couple of other things. One of them being uh, what they think of uh, potential premiers, and Doug Ford has a pretty strong lead on that over Andrea Horvath, but also what they think of the government's performance in general, which is about half the population is satisfied. They got about 40% in the last election campaign, 10 points higher than that's better than they were the last time around. So they're actually looking pretty strong. Let's talk about the individual leaders and their performance. Mm -hmm. As you said, Doug Ford coming in at 43%, and then Andrea Horbath in at 34, uh, which is obviously second, but yet her party ranks third. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, this is one of those things that's really interesting uh, with the Liberal Party brand in the province of Ontario. So it, it does get a boost from what people think of the Federal Party brand. So the Liberal Party, uh, uh, I think there's a, a, a bit of an overlap, particularly uh, given that uh, the level of awareness of the new leader of the Liberal Party, something he's going to obviously be working on hard between now and Election Day. Uh, but given that uh, it's as low as it is um, and people really don't know who the leader of the Liberal Party is, uh, that people are really looking at the brand and they're making their evaluation based on that. So, uh, obviously, Andrea Horbath, a more popular leader than Del Duca, but um, they're still not convinced about the party itself. Yeah, and, and that is one of the things uh, that, that we're seeing here, that the, lead, the leader is well ahead of her party. So you can already see what the campaign signs are going to look like for the NDP. <laughs> Good point. Um, so is Del Duca not resonating simply because uh, he is uh, early or, or, you know, the most uh, the least known uh, leader uh, on, on this uh, in this race? Is, is that the reason for it? Or is it because uh, even with the bump from the federal liberals, you know, they don't seem to be making ground? Uh, well, they're doing better than they did in the last campaign. I mean, you know, obviously they, they took quite yeah. a drubbing in the, in the last provincial election campaign where they only won eight seats. But yes, I, I, I suspect as we, you know, work our way to closer to the election campaign, it will be Stephen Del Duca's real opportunity to introduce himself to Ontarians. So at some point, what's going to happen is the three leaders are going to start getting a little bit more equivalent in terms of the, uh, the level of coverage that they get. But uh, let's not underestimate the, um, at least I shouldn't underestimate uh, the uh, the difficulty of this. I mean, he's up against one of the biggest celebrities in Canadian politics and Doug Ford and a leader who's run, I don't know how many, is it five elections uh, for the NDP? Uh, yeah. He's very well known in the province. So he's really got his work cut out for him. What does the NDP need to do to take this to the next level? Because it seems before every election, whether it's federal or provincial, everybody talks a good game. Uh, they'll even show some strong polling numbers. And then at the end of the day, they end up where they are. Uh, there's three numbers that come together as one phrase that defines everything about this election. 905. Hmm. And the problem that the NDP has is they do poorly in the suburbs of the city of Toronto. And, the, and you can extend that out to the greater... Uh, sense of, of what the suburbs are going to be. So, you know, even as far away as Guelph or Kitchener-Waterloo, all the way out to Pickering or you know, maybe even slightly past that. So the car commuting areas around the city of Toronto, they have to do a lot better in than they've been doing. And unless they can break through there, they can't make it to the next stage. They, they, they'll have a very difficult time winning the government. Justin Trudeau won the last federal election and the federal election before that because he won the 905. Doug Ford won the last provincial election because he won the 905. Kathleen Wynne, when she beat Tim Hudak, won the 905. 
Stephen Harper, when he formed the majority government for the conservatives federally in 2011, won the 905. I mean, there's a pattern here. Hmm. You have to win. You have to win there or you don't win. And that's been the challenge of the NDP, which is how do I figure out how to align myself with the lives of middle class car commuting suburbanites in Ontario? Daryl Bricker with us, CEO of Ipsos Polling, the latest if an election was held today. Of course, it's about three months from now, and that's a lifetime in politics. Uh, Daryl, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Be well. Thanks for having me on. When there's an issue, Scott is all in on getting to the heart of it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson. On Hamilton's News, today's talk. 900 CHML. Obviously, uh, thoughts turn to spring, now that it is, and the syrup. The sap starts to run. And, uh, you know, usually around uh, March or so, the uh, beginning of March, start tapping into trees and uh, the process starts. Uh, and it's uh, certainly tradition through Ontario and Quebec and Westfield, uh, Westfield Heritage Village uh, is obviously no exception. Uh, Peter Lloyd is with us with Westfield Heritage Village, uh, 1049 Kirkwall Road in Rockton, Ontario. And they got the trees tapped and it's in full swing. Peter, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I'm well, Scott. Thank you very much. So for those who may not have visited, tell everybody what Westfield Heritage Village is all about. Westfield Heritage Village um, is part of the Hamilton Conservation Authority. Uh, We have a site about 500 acres just outside of Rockton, and we've got a mix of uh, a large parcel of forest, and we have the uh, historic buildings of Westfield Heritage Village itself. Uh, it's a collection of about 35 different uh, historic buildings that have been rescued from uh, around this area in southern Ontario and brought together and restored to represent different time periods. And obviously, a, and obviously, a huge educational component to all of this. Yeah, it's a it's a big thing. We get an awful lot of school kids, and uh, our public programs have uh, a lot of educational aspects to them. Yeah. So what happens at Westfield this time of the year? This is my favorite part of the year, bar none. Um, Winter's finally ending and spring is coming. And uh, we get out in the bush and we start tapping uh, sugar maple trees. And we do a demonstration of how to make maple syrup straight from the tree and all the way to the bottle. So give us a, a, lay pay, a layperson's uh, uh, capsulated version of, of what the process is, what you do, Peter. Okay, well, I'll give you just 30 seconds quick of um, what's really happening out in the bush in the springtime. The maple trees out in the bush haven't got any leaves on them. And in the month of March, what they're doing is taking water out of the ground from the melting snow, mixing that water with sugar inside the roots, and then they, that's what sap is. It's sugar and water mixed together. And then they push that sap up underneath their bark all the way up the trunk of the tree, all the way out to the buds at the, top, at the tips of the branches. And the sugar in that sap water is the uh, energy that's going to make those buds open up and turn into leaves in the springtime. What I'm doing is just drilling a small hole in the side of the tree near the ground and uh, siphoning off a little bit of that sugary water into a pail. And I take that... Uh, collect it all up and take it back to the sugar shack in the bush. Um, at the sugar shack, I've got a large stainless steel uh, three-section evaporator, and I put the raw sap into the back, and I'm trying to boil away the water and 
concentrate the sugar together. Now, the bad news in all of this is that there's usually only about 2% sugar in the sap mm. that comes out of the tree. I've got to get that up to 66% sugar for it to turn into syrup. And so, the math, go ahead, go ahead, do the math for us. Do the math. The math is that to get to 66% sugar from just 2%, you have to boil away 39 fortieths of the volume. So for every 40 pails of sap that I collect, I only get one pail of maple syrup. Wow. The rest, is... Yeah, the rest goes as steam. Oh, my. Yeah. And does smell good if you're hanging out in the bush. That's for sure. The process it does, does smell, smell you good. Smell it, you can smell it walking up. It's, it's quite a thing. So how long does it take uh, for the average tree to produce a pail for you or what you would consider a pail? Um, a pail of sap can come out in a single day if you have the right conditions. Now, uh, Thursday last week, the beautiful day last week, yep. it had been like minus three or four the night before, and then it went up to 15 degrees, got really warm. That big swing across the freezing point, that makes the fluid pressure in the tree really spike high, and lots drips out into the pails, and our pails were full to the brim. Everyone in the park was, every pail in the park filled to the brim that day. So the pail can fill right to the top in a single day. Other days, if it doesn't come above freezing, you get nothing. Wow. (laughs) It really changes from day to day what you're going to get. And maple syrup makers watch the weather more than anybody else. And how how many taps could you put into one tree without damaging it? Well, uh, you want to have a tree that's about as big around as a dinner plate, really. Um, that size, the tree is big enough that you can put one tap into it for the five weeks right. of the maple syrup season, and you're not really going to do much harm to the tree. You might stunt its growth very slightly, but you're not going to do any harm to it. Right. If, it's the, if it's a tree that you, if you, and you hug it, you're, you can barely touch your fingers all the way around, that's a two, you can put two on something like that. And if it's a hugger where you can't touch it, your hands at all, you might be able to put three. Wow, that's a great rule of thumb. All right, so yeah. people want to come out to Westfield Heritage Village to see all this. Anything we have to know? What do we? What should we do? You you have to know that you, if you want to reserve your ticket, mm-hmm. you want to reserve your ticket by going to westfieldheritage.ca. That's our website, and the date that uh, all the dates are sold out right now, except for April third, which is the last day of the program. So if you want to get out, your your the window is closing, and you want to come out for April third. Go to the westfieldheritage.ca site and uh, register some tickets. Peter Lloyd with us, Westfield Heritage Village, 1049 Kirkwall Road in Rockton. And the, the uh, sap is flowing and the syrup after that. You can hear the passion in, in uh, Peter's voice. Peter, thanks so much yeah. for the time. Good luck with this year's harvest. Well, thanks a lot, Scott. Come on out and see us sometime. Ten days. This storm has been brewing for ten days. An article in CHML said this on the Hamilton Weber District School Board vote. Despite the vote in favor of keeping the mask mandate in place, the board does not actually have the independent authority to implement its own health measures. John Bryan, in term director of the education for the board, explained this to trustees that any direction the board takes in terms of implementing its own health measures would be going against the Education Act. Quote, I would suggest that you would be putting the board at some risk to any kind of judicial review, said uh, Bryant, adding that there could be policy grievances by unions or unionized staff who object to the board's decision. So in other words, this has no, no authority whatsoever, and yet 
it's adding confusion. And they've been working on this for 10 days. They've had 10 days to figure this out. And the government has held position on, or held firm on its position ever since it was asked, including right up until Friday. It is what it is. And if you're not obeying it and, and allowing people the choice, then you're, you're, you're not following, you're not following Ontario law. You're not following Ontario guidelines. Uh, let's bring in Jen McQueen. I, I read her, I read your, or her, <laughs> I read her letter, uh, that she had written various media outlets. Uh, obviously a concerned parent and former anchor right here at 900 CHML. So she knows how to ask a question or two. Uh, Jen, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. So as a parent, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, as, as a parent, how confusing has this been to you to try to navigate all of this when the, the school board seems to be going against what everyone else is saying? Well, this is it. I just go right to the source. As you said, I know, I know how to research and ask the questions. And so I asked my trustee, who happens to be the chair of the board, Don Danko. And throughout this whole pandemic, with questions about what's going on in school, it affects my my children. I've reached out to her through Facebook numerous times over Messenger, and she's responded, which I have appreciated. Uh, you know, you're an elected official, and you're taking the time to respond to me, which she should, and I appreciate that. And um, I've been in contact with her over the last week about this vote, and she specifically stated, and you saw the screenshots of our conversation, mm-hmm. and she explicitly stated that we would receive clear communication that would indicate the provincial government directive is the only one we have to follow. And then she also explicitly said, I can confirm we cannot enforce extending this mandate, making this a political statement. Okay, fine. So she said that to me, but yet in every board communication since this vote has happened, they have not said that whatsoever. I'm looking at, I have a couple of board emails and it says right here, like this one was dated March 17th and it's a whole long thing, but there's a paragraph right here that says students and staff will be required to wear masks, non-medical or medical while indoors at school and on buses until April 1st and will be strongly encouraged to continue masking after this date. So, and initially it was it was initially it was April 15th, but then they walked it right. back a bit, which is I'm not sure what the explanation is for that. But, you, you know, obviously they've had legal advice on this. Nobody yeah. would make any organization would make such a decision without that. But the legal decision or the legal advice didn't seem to matter. The protest was bigger than the facts here. Well, and I, this is it. I don't know what I don't know if Don is preparing for a, a bid for, you know, a higher level of government at some point to try and stick it to the PCs in this regard. Listen, I'm all for, you know, make your choice. And I do I, I do know that I can fill out a mask exemption form if I want so, for my children. Explain oh, this. Why, why? So, what does that do? That doesn't, so, that doesn't offer any extra protection if that's what they're worried this, about. It, it doesn't change anything. I thought that was quite right when you think about it because so they're adding on to something that is not mandatory. The provincial yeah. government has now made it your choice. And if you want to make it your choice within the Hamilton Dis- Wentworth District School Board, you have to jump through hoops. So, so they say. Like, what and, is that about? 
you know, this is what's driving me crazy. And again, and I said in my email that you received, Scott, this is not about being anti-mask or anti-vax because, and, and and unfortunately throughout this whole thing, you either see people who are, well, if you don't wear a mask, then that means you're anti-vax and you're anti-mask, or if you do that, and and that's not, there's, there's a lot of us right down the middle, my family, my two young children, me and Jay, we are both fully vaccinated. My kids were as soon as they were able to, we've already had COVID. Okay. Yeah, I we we're in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. We followed all the rules that we were supposed to. We wore our masks. We even though we hated it, that's fine. We we made those decisions. And, you know, uh, I could have not worn a mask in a store if I didn't want to, but I wouldn't have been served. And you know what? I need to go, I need you to go about my daily life. So that's what I, we I, had I just to find- do. And we did it. I find it hard to believe that the school board is going against its own legal advice. Like it's trying to say we override the Ontario government because we do not like their position on something. And and again, why are they the only ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like again, if they want, hasn't done that. And if this was going, because they know they can't, and if this was going to happen and was really needed, the local uh, public health officials would make this decision, and then they could. But the local exactly. public health officials are not even jumping on this because they they know it's 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 irresponsible that it's not needed. And when I specifically asked Don Danko, did you receive your approval for Section Twenty Two? She didn't respond. She she, she didn't, told no. me no. And then I even sent her um, a, a link to a news article that said. You know, what what Minister Lecce had said regarding, you know, you have no legal authority to do this. And then she tells me that part of the, that article contains incorrect information. OK, well, then what is the incorrect information? Because I that's pertinent information. It, if there's it's if, very... if there's wrong information, let me know. Yeah, it's been very clear where the government has stood on this, and it's been very clear that the school board's known since March 10th that this was not legal, the direction they were going in, and they've continued to push this, and all they've done is created confusion, divisiveness, and a political stance which is not based in in, in science in any way. Uh, It just feels very deceitful, and it makes me angry because there are a lot of parents that actually, uh, I have friends, I posted some of this on my social media, parents and friends that you know at our children's school and said i wouldn't have known if you hadn't posted that because none of the communication from the board has reflected that this is a choice they're saying it's required and you know what my my children were in the vast minority today not with their masks on and that's okay because i said you know what maybe their parents don't know or maybe that's their choice and if that's their choice that's okay and my kids know that but then you go we have friends who whose children go to school in milton and virtually nobody had a mask on because their board didn't deceive people with their communication and i i strongly feel like hamilton wentworth did extreme politics alive and well in your local school board and you've all let it happen jen mcqueen with us concerned parent former anchor with 900 chml uh on the confusing information coming out of the hamilton uh school board and we will talk about that with don danko the chair coming up later thanks for the note jen way to go get him uh you can see the reporter never dies you're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Now, here's an interesting article dated March 10th. So this was 10 days ago, uh, and this was on our website from our reporters. Despite the vote in favor of keeping the mandate in place, the board does not actually have the independent authority to implement its own public health measures. John Bryant, intern director of the education for the board, uh, explained to trustees that any direction the board takes in terms of implementing its own health measures uh, would be 
going against the Education Act. Quote, I would suggest that you would be putting the board at risk to any kind of judicial review, said Bryant, adding that there could be policy grievances by unions or unionized staff who object to the board's decision. To talk about all of this and hopefully try to clear it up, Don Danko is with us, Chair Hamilton Wentworth District School Board, and is with us now. Don, I bet you're busy today. Uh, surprisingly not, Scott. I, I would say no. the past week has been busy, but today I've actually been enjoying some weather outside, got to see kids go into schools and, and got to hear them playing at recess uh, when I was out and about. So uh, I have to say it's been a good day. So uh, what's the board's official uh, stance on this? Uh, obviously, it, it appears that, that there isn't any uh, teeth to it. They can't enforce this, the board. Um, what is the official stand by the board now? So our board is remaining committed to having a two-week transition period where masks are technically required in schools. Now, we re- appreciate that different people are in different places when it comes to comfort uh, with masking or unmasking. And there is an exemption process that accommodates people that, that need it. So if families feel that their student cannot continue to wear masks or do not wish to, they can request an exemption. But the vast majority of our, our students, our staff, our families, um, they are following the mask masking and we've seen that in schools today and we really appreciate that people came to school they were respectful they were considerate of others Um, we've been really focusing in on having a a kind environment as we move through this next phase in the pandemic so uh, none of this has to do with kindness Don this has to do with you uh, your board going against a public directive from the government so if a kid shows up at a Hamilton school today and he's not wearing a mask and doesn't want to fill out a form to really uh, do what the problem has already given him per or her permission to do what happens to that student so we in the motion uh, we've had actually two motions scott the first one is that uh, masking would be continued in, into april april 15th and we we did hear as you mentioned in the lead-in uh, from our director about challenges around that um, what we then did was we revisited it the following week during March break. And the new motion says that masks are required in HWDSB schools for the next two weeks. Um, that's 10 school days. That is not unlike another board up north uh, that has a one-week transition period. And that's what it's intended to be. It's a transition period where we are asking students and staff to continue wearing masks. But to your point, if someone does show up at a school and refuses to fill out a form, um, our school admin administration would just be contacting their parents to see if they require an exemption. Uh, we are not hearing that there's been excessive numbers of calls. I'm sure there have been some. Uh, well, that's because it would be. But Don, that's because it's illegal to ask them to fill out some of that form. Like you're, you're well, asking people to fill out a form for something that the Ontario government already allows them to do. And we've so, already Scott, been told that that's, um, that that's I'm not. I'm going to jump in here. Yeah, go so ahead. In August of 2020, the government gave us direction in terms of guidelines for health and safety measures during COVID. At that time, it was clearly stated in the direction to boards that that was a minimum standard and we could go above and beyond that. They have never retracted that statement and we did not receive a directive from the ministry. Let me be very clear about this. We received an update memo that shared what the Chief Medical Officer of Health said and it said that the province is lifting the requirement for masks. It did not say boards must list the requirement for masks. 
masks and anything else that's been out in the in the media uh, where people the media is honestly turning this into a fight um, there's political posturing we are here to look out for the best interests of all of our staff and students we have a diverse population some of which are medically uh, vulnerable and the next two weeks is a, how we move people through this transition in a positive way so do you think if you'd sold, to do. do you think do you think don if you'd sold this as a transition as opposed to voting to uh, go against the mass mandate which you did which has been in the news for 10 days that maybe this might have been uh, received a bit easier uh, because at the end of the day uh, it seems now you're backtracking and you're saying well no uh, you know we're trying to do this about safety and, and lot that at the dot but you're what you're still forgetting to admit to is that you're taking away a choice that has been granted by the Ontario government and now you're saying to students that they have to fill out a form if they want to be able to abide by the rules set down by the Ontario government. So again, nobody's telling you you can't wear a mask. What we're saying is this is about choice. And it appears that the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board has gone above and taken that away despite legal advice that they shouldn't be uh, have to do that, uh, or they shouldn't be doing that. So again, if students show up to a Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board and they don't want to fill out a form and they walk into the school there's not much you can do about it is there Don? All we're going to do is continue with a supportive and positive approach. So we will encourage masks, we will make them available, but no, we were not sending a student home, nor was that part of the motion. So really, um, again, if you've gotten legal advice that I'm not aware of, we are going to go with the advice that we've received. This is within our uh, authority to, to proceed with this transition plan. And I will highlight that um, although different people would speak differently in our board meetings, I have always pitched this and suggested this was a transition plan. And I've had regular communication with ministry staff to, to make sure that we have support for this. The Again, John Bryant, uh, interim director for the education for the board, said we do not have the independent authority to implement these our own public health measures. Do you think this has added more confusion, confusion or divisiveness? At the end of the day, we've striven to have clear communication with our families. And I think that uh, thank you to our communication team who provided reminders. We've seen that families have have gone along with um, our, our requirements today, call them strong recommendations. That's what we'll be shifting to, whatever you like. So but wait a sec, now you're, wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec. You're shifting from mandatory now to strong uh, advisement. You're changing your story here. Sorry, we're you moving say, to it, strongly it, recommend after April the 1st. Um, with the semantics that you're suggesting... You, you why did you not just that. recommend it? Why did you just not strongly recommend it at the beginning rather than trying to get people to follow a rule that is not enforceable? You're asking people to do something that is against their right. Uh, so we're going to agree to disagree on that. And uh, okay. we are just setting out an expectations for our students and staff for the next two weeks to transition through these changes. What would you say, Don, to those that say this is extreme politics in the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board that is rearing its ugly head? I would say to those people that uh, if you look at how it's played out in the media and how the media has portrayed it, I can see how you would, you would take that... Uh, that uh, or have that opinion uh, however that is not my intent and as a spokesperson of the board i am moving forward a board motion and trying to speak to it in the most collaborative and constructive way possible but again if a kid shows up to school without a mask you, you can't make them fill out a form or say that they 
you know, and again, I'm fully vaxxed. I've had the, I've had the virus. All my kids are. I support this. But again, it seems like you're outside your lane here. You don't think so, Don? Uh, you know, it's, uh, we are seeing that today went smooth. It, it's uh, been very positive today with the return from March break. So if, if someone is not wearing a mask, we will just reach out to the family and understand what their situation is. If an exemption is required, we will accommodate that. So we really <laughs> well, the exemption would administrative be, staff that are doing The exemption that. would be it's what the law and what the premier says. But anyway, Don, I'll let you go. We'll agree to disagree. Don Danko, Chair, Hamilton Wentworth District School Board. It's got a bit of a case on its hands uh, going against what the government recommendations are and now trying to justify it. Scott Thompson isn't satisfied with an answer. He'll delve into the issue until he is. You're listening to Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson. All right, let's get the legal perspective in all of this. It is 452. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Hamilton Today. Uh, Will Weber is on the board. Uh, Feel free to jump into the conversation. Send us a note, Scott Thompson, at 900CHML.com. Phone lines are always open at 905-645-3221. Star 9900 on your cell. Uh, Hamilton uh, uh, Hamilton Wentworth District School Board, uh, even with Don Danko today, the chair is saying they're even easing off on their conversation about mandatory and strongly recommends are now using those words. Why they didn't say that at the beginning? Why way back 10 days ago, they, instead of, you know, grandstanding and make it sound like they were protesting what the Ontario government was going to do instead perhaps say you know here's the deal but with you know if you would just kind of uh, go along with this for a bit and we highly recommend this or this or that then they probably would have got somebody on board uh, but to basically come out and say that you have to wear a mask to school when the province says you don't it's a choice and then making people jump through hoops to get there seems a little odd let's bring in Julius Gray Montreal civil rights lawyer a past president of the Canadian Human Rights Foundation and is with us now, senior partner at Gray Casgrain. Julius, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Yes. Uh, so, I, you know, obviously, I'm sure you've heard about these cases or this case with the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board. Uh, they have, you know, they were told the board does not actually have the authority, independent authority to implement its own public health measures, not without the support of the city or public health or what have you. So uh, the Hamilton uh, went, the Hel- Hamilton District School Board has said that uh, they're going to keep masking mandates in place till uh, April 1st. Uh, does that mean that a kid who does not want to wear a mask uh, won't be allowed in school where do you how do you square the circle julius well i don't know what they mean by it but it would seem logical to think that that's what they mean and there's a serious legal difficulty uh, i think people can like a store can say i want you to wear a mask probably even though uh, the province has said it's not necessary but attending school is a right it's a constitutional right it's a fundamental right and so the province has said you can attend school. Who is the school board to say you've got to um, attend it and, and you can't do it if you're not wearing a mask? Now, of course, the counter-argument to that will be, could they impose a uniform? Could they um, inco- impose codes of conduct? But it seems clear to me that once the province has said it's no longer part of the law to require a mask, And once uh, we recognize that going to school is a fundamental right, not like going to a gym, not like going to a a swimming pool, it's difficult to justify uh, turning a child out. 
So what sort of legalities does the board open itself up to? Because what they're saying is if you don't want to wear a mask, you've got to fill out an exemption form. So it's as if they're making you jump through hoops to do something which is legal. Uh, However, it's okay to do something and demand that they're mandatory. Uh, Legally, would they have not got advice that this can't be done? I have no idea what advice they got. I wouldn't get in between them and their lawyer. But what I would say is this. There's very little you can do legally because they only did it until April 1st. And you know how slow the wheels of justice are. Now, mm-hmm. now, somebody could take the action anyway and ask the court, notwithstanding the fact that it will be moved by the time it comes up, that it should be decided in case of future incidents, because normally you can't get anything done within a week or so. Uh, but it seems to me uh, that uh, they're exposing themselves, at least in theory, to a legal action, except so, that the matter will be moot before you can get anywhere. Yeah. So if a kid was to show up at school in Hamilton without a mask and didn't want to fill out the form to be exempt from a mandatory mask uh, policy that isn't even legal, uh, what does that person? What is that person to do? Is can that person go to school? Well, the person is in school. The question is, will the school force him to leave? And uh, if they force him to leave, well, lost a few days of school, uh, is there a damage action? Presumably there could be a damage action or an injunction taken. Um, uh, the question is, is it worth it? And it also depends how, uh, 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 how they interpret the, the, the exemption clauses. If it's an easy thing to do, just fill out a form and everything is fine, the court might say it's much ado about nothing. But if they actually mean to turn children out of school, even though they've done, their parents have done uh, nothing illegal, then I think there could be an action, except once again that practically it appears difficult to, to, uh, to do in a short period of time. Julius Gray with us, Montreal civil rights lawyer, senior partner at Gray Casgrain. Julius, thank you for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. Thank you. It is 4.57. There you have it. Uh, This is all for naught. None of this even matters. None of this should even be debated. What the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board should be doing is coming up with some guidelines on how we do this safely instead of politically uh, grandstanding against the Ontario government, which this extreme group of politicians is doing right now. And I think not only Hamiltonians, Ontarians, Canadians, those around the world are tired of this type of, uh, this type of politics. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Let's talk about uh, Ukraine. Uh, 26 days since the Russian invasion of. Many thought it would never go on this long. It still continues uh, with the stubbornness of the Ukrainian people, as uh, as one minister put it. Uh, let's bring in Arl Brown, professor of international relations and senior member of the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto, and is with us now. Oral, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. Thank you for having me on. So, uh, obviously, we heard over the weekend, uh, and Ukraine defied a Russian demand that uh, its forces lay down arms before Monday in Maripol, where hundreds of thousands of civilians have been trapped, and we've seen the, the ugly pictures and images uh, coming out of there. What is the significance of Russia asking for this? What does it mean? This is an inflection point. Uh, Russia had miscalculated Vladimir Putin had expected that he would be able to take over Ukraine in a matter of days. 
They were expecting a victory parade in Kiev, and he almost had it. He almost reached that, uh, uh, but for the remarkable Churchillian stance of the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, and the remarkable courage of the Ukrainian people. If we were to do a thought experiment and just consider what if President Zelensky had heeded the defeatist advice of mm. the Biden administration to flee, to evacuate, this would have Good demoralized point. the forces of Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine would have collapsed. Vladimir Putin would be celebrating victory. But instead, he is now desperate and he's trying to do everything possible to intimidate the West, to blackmail us with nuclear weapons, to do as much butchery in Ukraine as possible. So if he cannot win outright, at least that he can put himself in a position where he could get a deal that would so weaken Ukraine that whatever is left of Ukraine eventually would fall into his lap. Uh, what about Russia's use? Uh, it seems like they increase, they keep increasing the intensity of their weaponry and, and using uh, uh, weaponry that either shouldn't be used against civilian targets or hasn't been used in a long time or is outlawed. Is this how they're going to win this? I mean, because clearly they've stalled. Vladimir, Vladimir Putin is not constrained by international law in the least. We know that last week there was a ruling in the highest international court, the International Court of Justice, which stipulated that Russia should stop its military actions. Uh, Vladimir Putin ignored that because he knows that the next recourse would be go to go to the Security Council, where Russia has a veto. He is not uh, restrained by any kind of conscience. He just wants to stay in power. And he senses that if this war goes on longer and he suffers more defeats on the battlefield, and even though he has made progress in the eastern Ukraine, in the south he has not done one well elsewhere, he understands that as the sanctions begin to have more effect, as defeats take place on the ground, as there are more Russian casualties, the secret services and the military will know the real picture. They cannot be fooled by the Russian-controlled television. They understand what is happening on the ground, and they are likely to act against them. So he's throwing everything at Ukraine, including hypersonic weapons, which normally he would hold back because once you use them, it reveals their signature. It gives the West an ability to judge uh, how they operate. So it was a sign of desperation, not of confidence. Uh, as you as you said, the longer this goes, the worse it seems for Vladimir Putin. So where is the ending? I mean, does he look for an off-ramp at this point, or is he going to be just pushed until he has no choice but to use the next worst weapon? It depends a great deal on what we do in the West. And uh, the person who uh, stepped up uh, in terms of leadership uh, has been uh, Boris Johnson of Britain, who said that Vladimir Putin has to uh, lose, this invasion has to fail, and it has to be seen to fail. In other words, you have to restore deterrence. And this meeting of NATO is supposed to be about resetting uh, deterrence, but in fact, it is about restoring deterrence. But um, the Biden administration has been timid, to say the least, uh, they're talking about there are more sanctions to be leveled, and one cannot help but wonder 
what is the Biden administration waiting for when we see the horrific actions uh, against civilians? So why not level all the sanctions you have, use every kind of tool that you have at the at the moment? And so uh, Mr. Biden, uh, it seems, wants to be so much uh, of an un-Trump that is not leading the alliance. Uh, and uh, Boris Johnson uh, is not the president of, of the United States. We'll have to see what will happen on Thursday. But it's kind of worrisome why that meeting hasn't taken place earlier. This is an emergency situation. NATO cannot afford to wait longer. It's certainly the Ukrainian people need help yesterday, <laughs> never mind today. We've only got a few seconds left, Oral. Do you expect much to come out of these meetings on Thursday? It depends the kind of persuasion that Boris Johnson, uh, the Polish president, and others can bring on Mr. Biden to do to do more for for Ukraine. Because the longer the Ukrainians are able to hold out, the better chances there are that uh, Vladimir Putin's support will collapse within his own military and security services. Arl Brown with us, professor of international relations and a senior member of the Monk School of Global Affairs, University of Toronto. Oral, as always, thank you so much for the time. Be well. Thank you. Coming up after the news at 6 o'clock, Scott Radley Show, uh, with your host, of course, Scott Radley. You can also read him in your Hamilton Spectator. He is with us now. Scott, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Scott, are you there? Did we lose him? <laughs> We've lost him. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Oh, hello, uh, hello. You're oh, back. there he is. There he You're is. Back. He's there. Yeah. He's there. It's like trying to get the Who's in Whoville. I'm here. I'm here. No. You know what? I, I I live in town. I live in the city, and we live in a spot where I honestly believe we have the worst cell service in North America. <laughs> honestly, like we just drop out occasionally for no good reason, and we are in civilization. It's amazing. Anyway, carry on. I don't think you have to live in any part of the city for that to happen, Scott. <laughs> I think it happens pretty much everywhere at random. Yeah. Now, are we not in 2022 by now? Should should just yeah. reasonably consistent cell service when you're in the city part of the city be too much to ask? Anyway, carry on. I I hear you. I hear you. All right. Um. Uh. I, I must admit, I'm I'm pretty surprised at the action of the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board, um, with m- keeping their mask mandate in place, which really it's not because they have absolutely no legal right to do this. Uh, they're asking kids who who want to do what the government of Ontario has suggested or the kids in Halton are doing or in Niagara or anywhere else, uh, and that is if they want to remove their mask, because now it's a choice. It's not a mandatory. It's not, manda- it's not a mandate, not mandatory, uh, that if they want to do that, they have to fill out a form uh, to get exempted from their mandate, which really has no teeth. So at the end of the day, any kid in Hamilton who wants to walk into school without a mask on, uh, there's really the, nothing that the Hamilton District School Board, Hamilton Wentworth District School Board can do about it. And, uh, you know, I, I understand what they're doing. I understand how they're trying to take care of the kids. I understand how uh, after March break and all of that stuff. But in order for this to have, have uh, to have really uh, taken hold and actually happen, there'd have to be a reason for it and a cause uh, and, and an outbreak. And even Dr. Elizabeth Richardson says there's just not enough here. Richard, sorry, not enough to have a, a, uh, a section 22 uh, it's just not needed there's no reason for this now so why not just set up some real nice uh, guidance uh, uh, and and uh, and some good protocol like you know uh, mass mandates are not mandatory anymore but we still recommend that you know in risk situations whatever that you keep them on 
fun and blah, 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 and let's not be, uh, you know, bullish about this. Let's be fine. And instead, it's like, no, we're continuing the mandatory mask uh, mandate as if they had some legal way to do that. It doesn't mean anything, and you can't make up your own laws. Does the, what does this do for confusion, credibility, uh, all of this? I mean, well, I, I, I just think it's it was a bad play for them. I give them an F. Well, see, I don't think they had to even do this because I, I they didn't. Of, I have not been out of the house today, to be quite frank. I've been working all day at home, but reading stuff online from people and seeing stuff, it appears that by far the majority of people, from what I'm reading, when you go out, are still wearing masks right now. And so I would agree with I, that 100%, but Scott, that has absolutely nothing to do with any no, of this. The point no, is, they knew 10 days ago this had no legal precedence whatsoever, that they could not enforce it, that it doesn't mean anything, and yet they still continued with it, confusing parents. And, and, I, and my point is, you can still wear a mask. They could have said to people, yeah. uh, we still welcome masks, and I think a lot of people, even if you hadn't said that, would still have sent their kid with masks. Yes. And so, and so the question then becomes, and, and I think you and I talked about this last week, how much of this is to make sure that no, if it, let's say, heaven forbid, let's say a kid really got sick and something happened, how much is this is to just be liability preventer? That we, hey, we're doing what we, don't sue us if something happens. Oh, that's all rubbish, Scott, because they're off any liability as soon as the province opens up the doors. That's why the mayor said we're relieving, you know, we're relieving the Hamilton mandates because you can't have one and try to enforce the other. If anything, they have opened them up to legalities well, maybe. by saying, well, they have. I've talked to a lawyer about this. And, and they're opening up themselves up to, uh, you know, uh, for legal uh, issues here. It, because, in fact, if you're a kid and you decide you want, and again, I would never, you know, I'm vaccinated. We've had. Uh, you know, the kid went to school today and he had a mask on, wore it for a bit, took it off for a bit. They're getting used to it. So I'm fully supportive of all that. But you can't make up your own rules and then try to sell it as gospel because you're confusing people. And it's not true. It's misinformation, Scott. Well, keep in mind something else that uh, school boards um, have also in recent months uh, will recall that it was around the Hamilton District School Board. That um, remember when we had the whole thing with the racism inquiry, and people wanted a a, a system that they could kick council, uh, kick school board trustees off the board. That does no, there's no rule for that either. But but they said, well, we're going to make up some rules, or we want to see if we can make up some rules. Look, uh, it, we have people can try and make up whatever rules they want to make up. Yeah. Ultimately, though, you've got to follow what is in play. And so I would have been fascinated today, and I have not heard the answer to this yet. I expect we will, because I expect there's at least somebody out there who said, uh, my kid is going to school, and I'm not filling out one of those pieces of paper. Absolutely. And go ahead and go ahead and send my kid home. I dare you. I, I guarantee there's somebody who did Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I believe that the school board probably, if that happened, or the principal or whomever, probably was on the phone to the school board saying, well, what do I do now? And the board was probably saying, I don't know. Nothing. What can you do if the rule says that the kid is entitled to be there? I don't know that you can make up a special, as you say, I don't know if you can make up a special rule, but I'd be interested to hear what would happen if there was a kid out there who tried, or the parents it would have been, it wouldn't have been the kid. I mean, the kid would have been under the direction of the parents. If the parents had said, we're not signing, knock yourself out, try and do something. I, I don't know what would have happened. 
I see where the intention comes from. I understand. I get it. But does anybody like this is a difference between protests and politicians. Did anybody call a lawyer? You can stand and protest all you want, but you can't tell people what to do over and above the law. And that's what they're doing. They're making up their own rules. And now they've been caught, and and people are, are, again, to me, it's like a credibility issue. Who do you believe now? Who do you believe? And and they wonder why there's, you know, people are confused with misinformation and such. You know, I, shame on them. If you want to make this safe, then come up with a process, some guidelines like we all know to follow when we go through this. But to sit there and say, uh, no, it's mandatory here. Well, no, it's not. And, you know... <laughs> If a kid walked into a school tomorrow without a mask, there's not a damn thing the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board you. can do about it. So move on. I know you got to run, but let me ask you a really quick question. If the if if the province was to announce that in perpetuity from now until forever oh, that, masks, that masks have to be worn in school, this is the province. I believe that the school boards would probably say, "Fine by us." Fine by us. <laughs> and and at the same time, it's like, "Well, wait a second. Why? Why are we maintaining this kind of thing. So at a certain point, you have to make a decision. When is that point? I don't know. But as I say, I think that if we were to put in some rules, or not we, if the government was to put in rules that took away these some of these liberties, I think a lot of people would say, I'm okay with that. And that I find more frightening than the alternatives. Scott Radley, host of the Scott Radley Show, coming up right after the news at 6 o'clock. You can read them in your Hamilton Spectator. I'm sure there's more on all of this. Scott, as always, thanks for the time. Be well. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. That's it for us. Thanks to the two Wills and Diana and Dave for helping out today. And, of course, you, as always, we leave it to you, the taxpaying customer, to have the last word. My name's Alan. I'm a school bus driver here in, in Ancaster. And first day back from March break, noticed that about... Pretty much a half the students from elementary school, and including the high school, they were not wearing a mask and the other half were. I was kind of curious to see what this, mainly the Catholic school board is what I drive for, uh, how they handle it at school today, but I didn't really ask any kids on the way home today. 